Greetings Australia, welcome to the Stand Up Australia podcast, Stand Up Sits Down With, a contrarian conversation rebutting the mainstream narrative. Today on the show, we'll be talking about The Voice and the WA farming debacle. Uh, our second story will be the rent freeze in Victoria, which is on the cards as, rent, as Greens push for fairer rentals and public housing. Victorians give the dictator and his army the finger with barely 10% of COVID fines paid in full. And our last story is the man in US has entire smart house shut down due to a racism misunderstanding. So we're joined again this week by Peter Harris. How's it going, Pete? That's Hattie Mitch. How are you? Very well, very well. Just, um, yeah, chilling out on a Sunday night in Brisbane and you're down in zero degree weather in Adelaide, by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's pretty cold and windy here um, and wet, but that won't stop us having a good conversation. I'm by the fire, so we, we'll call it a fire supper. <laughs> it's cold up here too, mate. It's like 16 degrees outside at the moment. Yeah, so. it's freezing. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is. Cold for up here. Um, so, yeah, so just wanted to start off the, the night by sort of seeing what's going on at stand-up at the moment, if we've got anything to, to report on that. Uh, well, last week I, I did a session on um, uh, with a vet from Western Australia where we were talking about the health and well-being of animals and pets, cats and dogs, and um, that, that was something I'd never done before. Um, it made me realise how... Um, I am completely um, inadequate to have a pet <laughs> and uh, I need to do a lot, a lot more to look after Coco, our dog, who's travelled Australia. Uh, but um, but no, in, in all seriousness, it was great to just um, learn about simple things that you can do with your pets to make their life longer, uh, better for them and, um, and more enjoyable um, for everybody. Um, so that was great. And then we've got another session this week um, with what's the lady's name this week is uh, Judith. Judith. Um, and uh, she's also a vet out of Western Australia. Um, and um, she's talking about making the right choices, being empowered to make the right choices for your pets and um, and innovative and, and um, alternative pet care. So, um, so we we decided to focus on the uh, the household pets. Uh, we, I think we called it um, um, uh, uh, paws and claws month, or um, paw patrol, something like that. Um, and uh, and then very soon we've got coming up um, a technology month where we're going to be talking about smart cities and AI and all the things that people. Uh, talk about or concerned about and we're going to unpack a lot of those things and say are they really bad for us or are there some good elements to some of it yeah i like that having a look at both sides rather than getting too hysterical about things yeah, yeah. um well you know stand-ups about solutions you know we, we we're about informing empowering connecting and activating people where it matters. And uh, we're about talking about solutions and not panic and fear and all of those things. Yep. And uh, if we want to go to the this next one with Judith, just uh, follow my mouse here and click on click here to find out more and book your ticket. Yeah. So it's up on the web. It's on the on the first page, standupnowaustralia.com.au, which will, it's, it, as always, is in the show notes. 
And you can also get recordings of past sessions, um, recent past sessions. We had huge and great um, sessions uh, for financial wellbeing in the last couple of months. And um, and uh, it's well worth getting hold of some of those recordings. Definitely. And we, all we ask is a small donation um, to get this pretty amazing information, really. Um, so, yeah, jump on there and, and support us so we can keep doing stuff like this. So we'll jump into the first story now. Um, and it is from a state you spend quite a lot of time in, in the WA. So I've got a video to start us off here. I'm just going to share my screen here. Oopsie, sorry, one sec. So yeah, we'll play this first video, just from Sky News. I said Western Australia, now the Western Australian farming industry is quite rightly up in arms over a new WA Government Act set to come into effect on the 1st of July. Uh, I have many, many members of my family are farmers in WA. I feel very sorry for them. The Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Bill will affect every farmer and pastoralist in Western Australia. Everyday farming acts like scarifying, seeding, delving, deep ripping, shed building, drainage work, fencing, even pulling out a dead tree stump will require a permit to do so in negotiation with the Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act. Any I'm not sure what's happened there. Still there? Uh, I'm still here. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. It just froze and wouldn't go anymore. But I think we get the point anyway with that. Mm. So this new law coming in in WA, I've got a little bit more on it here. So... This is from ABC News. WA government stands firm on the state's new Aboriginal Heritage Act, despite calls, despite calls for delay. So down here it says, two weeks out from the biggest change to Aboriginal heritage law in Western Australia's history, there are claims the government is failing to explain how the changes will work in practice. That's all too familiar with government not explaining things properly before they push it into, into action. So the revised Aboriginal cultural heritage sets out a new approval process for works that may impact significant heritage sites across the state. So the new legislation replaces the Aboriginal Heritage Act of 1972, removing the controversial Section 18 process that permitted global, global mining company Rio Tinto to destroy the cult a cultural significant Ducan Gorge in the Pilbara three years ago. So that was um the uh, the mining company just went in and and bulldozed some aboriginal sites you can imagine that it would be pretty frustrating for the you know aboriginals who really care about that sort of stuff at the time so this is a direct um i guess consequence of that happening so they removed this now um and it's going to a three-tier system where you've got different sorts of sites um which will have different sorts of um, actions you'll have to take before you can do anything. Um, and one of those things you'll have to do is make sure you consult an Aboriginal uh, elder uh, or 
or someone who's familiar with cultural heritage sites, even on your own land before you do anything. So yeah, I'm not sure if you know much more about this, Pete, but yeah, I'd be interested to get your opinion on um, what you think is going on here. Um, this is obviously pretty connected to the voice while being completely separate to it. It does give people a little bit of a window into what we can expect if the voice goes through, in my opinion. Hmm. Well, I, I think it's, it's a bit of a pity it's called the Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act um, because it should just be called the Government Interference Act. You know, this is, this is the big problem with Australia is government overreach. Um, one thing that's never been tested in this country is who owns what is beneath the earth and who owns the sky, right? Marbo pushed land and, and uh, Aboriginal rights and all of those elements, um, but, but the, the rights of what's below the land and above the land is, has never been tested. So um, the government now legislating over something that they actually have no right over, once again, um, just seems um, bizarre to me. Um, but the, the reality here is it's just government interference. Um, and um, we, we, we need to reconcile the issues of the past. We keep using band-aids to patch over these issues um, and as a consequence, people are once again um, becoming less certain about um, their tenure, their ownership over their own land, their control over their own land, and, um, and governments are constantly interfering in people's lives, whether it be Aboriginal people. You know, the, the Aboriginal people, the government are trying to put... Um, uh, Aboriginal um, land rights over freehold land that the Aboriginals already own um, up in the Pilbara and places like that. So, you know, this is just more government red tape, more government overreach, more um, complexity where it causes division between various segments in society. And um, it once again, um, restricts productivity in our country and the capacity to operate on your land as you deem uh, appropriate. Now, th this is not talking about um, um, significant environmental issues. This is just talking about control over a farmer's land. Um, and, uh, and, you know, what, what happened with Rio Tinto is appalling and no one has really been held to account um, you know, the managing director resigns and, and the, the company gets a fine, but for the benefit the company got by doing what they did, um, there was no consequence in real terms. So everything's out of whack. And because one big company does something, let's punish all the little entrepreneurial farmers that are just trying to make a living. And, uh, they, you know, they're doing well at the moment, many of the farmers, um, but but this sort of thing just makes people sell out to big corporates and you lose a little player out of the, out of the market. Yeah. It seems to be just another, another sort of stage in the war on farming as I see in this, mm. in this country, you know, they've, they've added a new tax to farmers where they have to pay for imports into the country for some reason. I'm not sure how that works. And now this is another one 
Um, that's a federal one, obviously, but this one here in WA, it just doesn't seem like it's a very attractive sort of um, career to get, be getting into farming now these days, does it? I mean, it, it's been hard across Australia for a while, but, you know, I'm not aware of how they go in Western Australia. You just said that they were, they were doing quite well, but this has the potential to knock that down. Well, you know, land prices and, and farm earnings are, are doing pretty well in our country. Um, but the, um, you know, I, I spoke to a guy at a, a wedding in Esperance not long ago who's decided to sell his farm, an organic farmer, just saying the regulations killed him and um, he can't function effectively. So he's he's selling out. And he's, you know, as he said, he said, I'm, I'm okay because farm prices have gone up, but I'm really disappointed I can't live out the vision that I had for my property. Um, now, that's a, that's just another example of a farmer being pushed from their land in a different form. What would happen if land prices had crashed and he couldn't get out, you know? Yeah. Um, so so what, what we need to think about with all of this stuff, and I haven't read the legislation, um, and, um, you know, a lot of people might think it's naive to comment on legislation uh, without having read it in detail, but my view is that we keep interfering in everyday Australians' lives and trying to tie them up more and more with government red tape, and it's got to end. And it will end. The people will just ultimately say, as we'll be talking about shortly in Victoria, stick the fine up your nose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of government interference now, especially with the is an economic crisis on the way or well, that's already here really cost of living going up government creates these things and then decides they're going to fix them somehow which ends up making it worse um just going back to this land uh, the actual legislation here is they're saying it'd be 50 if you are digging your land for more than a depth of 50 millimeters you'll have to get approval from the government slash aboriginals to do that I have read in the other article, though, that they say it is a lot deeper than that, though, so I'm not really sure who to believe on that. What, what you're talking about here is allodial rights. The allodial rights and who owns the allodial rights of the land, and the Commonwealth doesn't, states don't, probably the traditional landowners might, but it's never been tested by law in this country. Um, no one has ever clarified this issue. So, so here we have a state over-legislating on an issue that they really have no right or control over, and there is no definition of. It's never been tested by law, and there are lots of people asking about allodial rights across this country. And of course they're asking because the state government of Western Australia in particular is very happy to give mining leases to companies and force, I use the word force intentionally, traditional owners to sign off on documents that they have never received, that they, can, they cannot read, and, and, um, and they, they're forced to sign over um, their rights on these lands for mining, and yet the allodial rights have never been resolved. And um, this this is part of the big problem. And I can guarantee the voice legislation, this legislation, none of it's going to fix it. It's just going to lead to more conflict between 
between the the stakeholders. So do you think there's you know good intentions in this, or do you think it's just complete? Um, I don't know. Do you think it's designed to to create conflict? Well, they're, they're, who knows? I mean, there might be good intentions, but um, beware of good intentions um, because, uh, it, you know, nothing ever, ever works out well for the small guy or for Indigenous people when government intervenes. Yeah. Well, they, as I say, the path to hell is paved with good intentions, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and if Rio Tinto were fined a billion dollars, for screwing up the cultural heritage of um, that particular part of Western Australia, they won't. Do, they wouldn't do it again. No, they 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 probably wouldn't um, unless they made ten billion dollars off it. Obviously, well, <laughs> then it'd be worthwhile, yeah, wouldn't it? <laughs> maybe maybe you take ninety percent of their earnings off the deal. <laughs> yeah, you see that sort of stuff happen with banks and pharmaceutical companies all the time, where they get fined, you know, two hundred seventy million or couple of billion they're like oh well we made 300 billion of it so it's worth it yeah it's the price of yeah. business you know, it says here that um the, the fines what's that hey sorry later yeah pretty much um says here the nominal fees uh of 100 dollars will apply for permits um and there's penalties which include prison time and fines of up to one million dollars and ten million dollars for individuals and corporations who cause serious harm so as you see there, $10 million isn't going to stop a company like Rio Tinto, is it? It's not going to stop Rio Tinto, no. no. And and the thing is, it's also going to make the little guy dishonest because the little guy is not going to get all caught up in this uh, government process and legal process because he's going to go, it's all too hard, I just want to farm my land. Yeah. Um, and so what it does, that what, what this type of legislation does, it forces people into a position of dishonesty um if it was dishonest if it was a legitimate piece of legislation that should be obeyed then it would be um, a dishonest act to go against it but the, the, this this government in western australia um has no right to legislate over the allodial rights of land it it has no right yeah yeah, they have a right to do a lot of stuff, do they? But I think they do. So this uh, this all comes as the voice as well. It just slips below a majority in the polls. Mm -hmm. So, and I'd say half of this is to do with with issues like what we just saw. There's not much information about what's going. We're just getting told this is the, the way to do things. Uh, and then we're not really told why it's good. Um, we're just told, oh, it'll give Aboriginals a voice. It's like, well, what? what exactly is happening there oh, nothing will change it's just the constant just the constitution will change that's all but it doesn't matter because it's not going to change anything so i think this is a reason why we're seeing this and this is the sydney morning herald article here is it just says support for the voice falls below a majority and support for the referendum surrounding the indigenous voice to parliament has fallen to below 50 percent when asked about a specific yes or no question that will decide the referendum later this year, this no side leads 51 to 49%. So Prime Minister Albanese has rejected calls to amend the proposal before the Senate votes on the wording of the question in the referendum bill. So as you can see here, there's a little graph 
And here's where we start off at 63% yes in August of last year, and we're falling to 49% now. So it's personally, I just think anything that comes out of the government cannot be trusted. Uh, I don't really know what this is for and what it's going to do, but I don't think changing the constitution um, is a safe bet, especially with this government or in, with any government really in this country. Oh, well, there, there's lots of problems with um, um, all of this. Um, you know, what, what, one is people have lost faith in the institution of government. That's why 35% of people did not vote for Labor or Liberal at the last federal election. And that's why uh, even a greater number of people won't vote for them at the next election. That's number one. So people don't trust the politicians. People don't trust government anymore. And therefore... They don't trust the proposals they put to the people. Um, now, um, I'd, I'd encourage people to listen to the session that we did with Daryl O'Brien. I hosted a session with Daryl O'Brien um, on the constitutional landowner rights. And I uh, then did a follow-up interview with him on questions that we didn't have time to answer um, throughout the course of the webinar. Um, and, and really begin to understand what's going on with the Constitution. You know, the government, or, you know, the big deal is what, what's the question? Well, a bigger deal is what they legislate after the vote. <laughs> yeah. um, and what they legislate after the vote very rarely resembles the question. So that's why people have lost faith and don't trust. Um, there's an argument um, that you know, since 1973, the constitution that they're that they're running with in Australia, the 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 constitution of the um, of Australia is is not the 1901 constitution that was uh, adopted by a federation. Uh, we we have the 1901 constitution available on the stand up website. Um, if people, I think it's in the shop that people can go in and and, and get it. Um, but it's important that we understand that there's been a lot of messing around with the constitution and uh, there's been a lot of decisions made that haven't followed uh, um, the, the, the requirements of the constitution. And there have been questions posed that have been answered where legislation has then been enacted where um, it doesn't represent what the people voted for. So this is one massive mess this is where these politicians have led our country to one massive chaotic mess and as i said in the previous story they try to keep covering things up with band-aids and someone has a smart idea and says well let's do it this way and then off they run again and all the time they're eroding the rights of the people so no one trusts them and no one um, wants to vote yes, whereas in a positive environment where people um, didn't feel that they were divided against one another, in a positive environment where people felt that we all had a common vision, we're running towards the same end goal, um, you get 90% of people saying yes. But there's confusion, there's distrust, and there's division and that's all these uh, people in the Parliament of Australia are delivering right now. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't like being called racist either if I don't 
if I don't agree with everything the government's saying on this, like, oh, vote yes, basically what they're saying, vote yes or you're a racist. It's, you know, people yeah. don't like that. They don't, we're not, we don't fall for that sort of stuff anymore. It's not, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a term that's used so willingly now that it's just lost all its power. And, you know, if we don't know what's in the bill, we're not going to vote for it, especially after the last three years. So there's plenty of Aboriginal people that don't want to vote for this bill because um, they don't trust the government either. And if any, if there's any particular um, uh, group that wouldn't trust the government throughout Australia's history, it's the Aboriginal people. Mm. Um, and, um, and so there's plenty of Aboriginal people that don't support this either because of the issues. It, it, it just causes more division. It doesn't reconcile it produces more problems. Um, so, look, you know, we don't have time to go through and unpack the whole voice um, message, and nor can we because we don't have the information. Um, but to, you know, what a very nasty habit has developed in this country. If you don't agree with the government's position, you're a, you're a, a zealot, a lunatic, uh, a racist, you're whatever they want to call you, they feel free to call you. They, they feel free to breach their own legislation and vilify anyone that doesn't agree to their story. And I'm sorry, but a democracy has multiple stories, has multiple viewpoints, and it all needs to be embraced. And then the majority needs to agree. And the way of going and calling people racist simply because they're questioning something or anti-vaxxers simply because they're questioning whether or not something is safe for them to take or not, and evidence is proving that it wasn't safe for a lot of people to take the vaccine, um, they they get labelled by by this current crop of politicians. And uh, it's disgraceful, it's disgusting, and the people will just not cooperate. Yeah. Yeah, it's generally you can tell when someone's lying as well when they go on the attack like that rather than having a, a reasonable discussion with about the the evidence. Yeah, and look, the the Australian democracy actually functions off the trust of the people, the trust and the faith of the people. That's how our democracy functions, and the trust and the faith of the people is rapidly eroding in this country. And unless it's dragged back, unless somehow that trust and faith is rebuilt, it will it will come to a point of explosion at, at some time in the future. Yeah, I can feel it feel it building up uh, inside myself anyway. <laughs> it's yeah. uh yeah, it's 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 not sustainable for the next little while. And, um, and by the way, no one wants that. We we, we need really great leadership to steer us through this chaos and yeah. we don't have it. We do. I mean, we live in a great country. Like I, I, I thank, I thank, you know, God every, every day I wake up in this country rather than another one because it is such a great country, but it's so frustrating seeing it taken away from us through these ridiculous well, laws it, and yeah. decisions. It's not going to get taken away, Mitch. The people will ultimately stand up as they always do. And, um, and take their country back. That's what's going to happen. The elite and politicians, they might think otherwise, but the people of the country always ultimately stand up and kick them in the ass and say, piss off. Yep. And that's what's going to happen here. So there's one there's one more thing about the voice that is 
sort of worrying me and plenty of others around uh, is that a minority will have too much power. And I just want to play this video clip I've got here of, um, what's her name? Marcia Langton. So she helped design the voice and just listen to what she has to say here. If a decision is made, a government decision is made without listening to the voice, it could be challenged in the High Court and potentially stopped from being implemented until the voice had been heard. That's a possibility. And why wouldn't we want that to be the case? Why would we uh, restrict the, the voice to making um, representations that can't be um, take, uh, challenged in court? So, yeah, so that's the one thing I've heard quite a lot about is that they will have the power to sort of overrule decisions made by the government. Well, it's maybe not such a bad thing a lot of the time, to be honest. But um, is that something you've heard too? Is there any truth in that? I mean, she is one of the people that's actually helped design the voice. So, Well, you'd, you'd think that... Um, you'd, you'd think that something of this nature would have the right to challenge and have recourse um, over a decision. The people of Australia have that right. We, you know, any, any of us can take the government to the High Court of Australia and challenge its right to make legislation under, under the Constitution um, if the Constitution hadn't been bastardised like it has been um, on, many, on many occasions. Um, so, it, look, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't concern me that you have formal processes for the citizens of Australia to challenge government legislation. Um, but all you're, all you're doing here is creating more politics and more, and more posturing. And, um, and I think that what we've got to, you know, there needs to be a comprehensive pathway to reconciliation. And the problem that Anthony Albanese has with The Voice is he's put up an idea, but it's not a comprehensive pathway to reconciliation. It's not a comprehensive pathway to us all working together for a better Australia with a clear vision and a clear direction. It has just led to more confusion. Um, and I, I would ant anticipate if there was a formal process that the people of Australia agreed with um, put in place, um, that 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 process um, would have a, for, a formal way to have its voice heard, um, and it would have a formal way to um, have ha, you know have an appeal um, if if a decision was made against its voice. So this here is the problem with all of this: you introduce this type of system, you in, you introduce in, increased layers of um, legality, increased layers of red tape, increased layers of, um, of the country stagnating um, and going nowhere. Um, you know, so I, I call on Anthony Albanese to come up with something visionary and to come up with something that gives people the confidence that they're really serious about reconciling the Aboriginal people's issues and the Australian people's issues and bringing us all together and leading us effectively 
to a new and clear future that maximizes our potential as a nation and as individuals. That that's what leadership is about. That's what they should be doing. But instead, here we go again. The whole country is divided. And whether it can be, be appealed to a court and hold up the process or not, it, no one really understands what's going on here. And how many how many millions of dollars of taxpayer money have they spent to confuse everyone? Yeah. Money well spent, I reckon, in their in their um, opinion. Well, it clearly isn't. They're going, they're on the on the trajectory to lose a vote. So maybe that maybe they want to. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe the ad maybe the ad agency has earned its money after all. Oh well, we will uh, see what comes of it. Um, the vote is when is it again? End of the year. Uh, I don't think most Australians know when the vote is scheduled for. Yeah. And I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm not sure if it says anything here. I think it's later this year, you know, it'll be before, uh, well, actually the question's got to be resolved first, doesn't it? So. Oh, it um, does. It does. It's, it's a really bad marketing campaign at the moment. Whoever's in, in charge of it should be fired. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on to the next story. Um, so our next story here is Victoria's housing crisis. So this is actually two weeks old, this story now. But hang on, I'll just make sure this is not playing. Right, so yeah, uh, two weeks old story. This one, I've got a follow up to this after this in an article. But um, I know you're a housing guy, so I thought I'd include this because I'd be really interested in getting your opinion on this. Uh, I'll just share my screen here with you. rent freeze be installed in Victoria in exchange for the party's support of the government's new taxes announced last week. The Andrews government has flagged a review of the housing system. It hasn't ruled out caps on rental prices in Victoria, though it doesn't intend to mandate the rent freezes. It comes as multiple property owners are set to be slugged more land tax to pay a COVID rent levy. The government has a number of options. The best way to safeguard protections for renters is implementing a rent freeze immediately. And we're going to the government constructively and in good faith, asking for safeguards as part of guaranteeing support for its tax reform bills. Cool. So more government interference here, as you can see. Um, they want a rent freeze. Now I can imagine it has been revealed the Albanese government is yet to complete modelling on its 60-day pharmacy dispense. Yeah, we'll stop that. So yeah, as you can imagine, a red freeze isn't doing much to um, increase the likelihood of people wanting to get into the property market in Victoria. Would I be correct in saying that? Um, look, housing in Australia um is is in a disastrous position for those people that are trying to afford housing whether they're renting or buying mm. um, their property owners are not the cause of that property investors are not the cause of that um in fact they're probably part of the solution to it in fact they are part of the solution to it um the people that are responsible for that are the people uh, calling for the freezes 
So, um, you know, are the Greens happy um, and every parliamentary parliamentarian in Australia happy to have a wage freeze? Because we can't afford to pay them. Um, they spent so much money on COVID. In fact, why don't we go back to Federation where we didn't pay politicians a single cent? They just went out of service to their community to represent the best interests of their communities. Why don't, why don't we go back that far and start thinking about um, and, and you know, thinking about what what is right here, um, rent rental freezes um, are just a gimmick. Um, they're not going to fix the housing problem. Um, they will ultimately be taken off, and then rental rentals will skyrocket um, and become worse than it was before. Um, and this is just political people that know nothing trying to lobby to show they've had a win. Um, you know, Dan Andrews um, has completely screwed up the finances of Victoria. He's attempting to drill, to get that money back off property owners. Um, and um, I think it's going to end badly for Dan Andrews. Um, I, think, I think, you know, federal and state governments need to get a clear picture on how to fix the housing crisis. The, the, the truth is, though, here's the truth. They don't want to. They want to be seen to be throwing $500 million. It's a bit like our discussion with Rio Tinto and finding them $10 million. It means nothing to them. The yeah. problem here is every member of parliament probably owns a home. The majority of the voting population own a home. And if the prices of housing goes down, the government gets thrown out. That's just the reality of the system that we have created in this country. So there is an anticipation and expectation of voters that their houses will continue to improve in value. And um, the population that is desperate, the social housing component and um, the first home buyers are, are not the primary voters who the government actually cares about. So th this is just a whimsical throw of cash at a problem that can't be solved because no one wants it solved. And, um, and you know, what they do is they whack the small guy, they whack the entrepreneur, they whack the mum and dad who are just trying to get ahead and have enough to retire on um, and, 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 and make, make a bit of extra cash outside of their jobs. Let's whack them instead of dealing with the tough issues. Let's whack them rather than taking a pay cut ourselves. Um, I wonder how many parliamentarians would stay there if we said we're going to cut your wages by 50% and there's going to be a wage freeze for 10 years. Let's see. <laughs> I like the way you look at stuff like that. I'd never really thought about the whole housing um, thing before. Like, you know, oh, they've got to fix the housing, but then you're like, they don't want to fix it because they won't get the in government. And it makes perfect sense. It's, it's easy to open up. Who are the biggest landowners? Who are the biggest landowners out of, out of any, any group? It's not private industry, it's government. And, and, and it's a simple supply and demand issue. So you open up all the supply and the demand drops off. And guess what happens? Prices drop and that's not a tenable result. No. No, certainly not. 
and stuffing another 600,000 people into your country certainly helps that too, doesn't it? Well, I mean, that just, you know, and, 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 and reintroducing uh, foreign purchases and lessening um, the the uh, requirements for lending, all of those things don't help the, the the housing affordability issue. But this is social housing. This is government housing. And look, five hundred million dollars is a drop in the ocean, and it's probably being stolen from another bucket anyway. Yeah, and if it's government money, you know that it's going to be there's going to Waste. be a, pre a premium attached to it. The builders will be charging everything they can. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to be cynical. I, I don't want to uh, be a person of no faith and no trust in our government. I actually want to be proud of our government. I actually want to trust them. I want to have faith in them. But no one has done anything to engender any of those um, aspects of me. And um, and there's a growing number of Australians that feel the same way. I, I, I don't want to... Be up, be up here criticizing all the time um but but you know common sense has got to for god's sake at some point prevail yeah it's it's hard to see where it goes though like you were saying earlier it's a bit like it is a bit like shoving a square peg into a round hole because it's it just doesn't seem to that it's going to be able to fix itself i mean you look at the wage increases over the last what 50 years or something it's gone the wage has gone up i mean the the property prices have gone up four times as much as wage increase so i think at least four times actually so that's going to be in probably with the way the exponential growth in that sort of um in that sort of thing it's probably going to be eight times in the next 20 years so you're going to have less and less and less chance of buying a house um this government housing, I mean, maybe that's what they want. They just want all government houses so they can have even, even more control over you. Yeah, maybe. Look, it's always been tough to buy a house, no matter what the wages. It's always been tough. It's always required some level of discipline to be able to buy a property um, and get into the get into the market. Um, but the, but part of the part of the problem here is that the government are not interested really in fixing the problem. They're just interested in once again putting band-aids over particular segments of issues so that at least that group feels pacified until there's a new government. Um, and then we'll pacify them again with a few hundred million. Um, you know, the, the, whole, the whole thing is, is a joke. And I think that, um, I, th I actually think it's easy to solve, but it's not popular to solve because it will involve dropping the value of people's assets. And if anybody's drunk, if anybody's drunk on capital growth in property, it's government because they keep taking more and more and more and more of it every year. The, these state governments have increased their stamp duties, they've increased their land taxes, they've increased every uh, levy and charge they possibly can. And guess what they promised when the GST was introduced? They promised to remove all those taxes. They yeah. promise to remove everything. And not one state government has honoured its word. They're all liars. They're all cheats. And not one of the and, and all that happened was we got a duplicated tax system in this country. And we ended up paying a lot more tax. And for and and the prize for us, the wonderful, wonderful gift for us, 
has been the likes of Daniel Andrews can have a personal staff for 500 people. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? I was I remember when the GST oh, came. Time we questioned it all. Yeah. The GST itself, like I actually rate the GST. I think it's a great idea without the other taxes because the more money you got, the probably more chance you're going to buy stuff, which means the more you're going to pay on GST. But it just didn't work out that way. It was great in theory, but it never worked out. Um, just one more lie, as you're saying. Well, that's why people have lost faith, and that's why people ultimately overturn the system. Um, people, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to be um, um, to incite. I'm just doing that, saying that from an educational perspective. Go and have a look at all the economic historians, and they'll tell you what happens when governments mistreat their people. Without fail, every single time they remove them, and they remove them harshly. I think um, telltale signs are here too with what you just said because the next story we have here from the Canberra Times is starts off barely one in 10 Victorian COVID-19 fines paid in full. So that's one out of 10 people has paid a fine that they've gotten. Um, obviously, there's probably a little bit skewed. There'd probably be a lot of mask fines from people like us who are just like, you know, stuff that I'm not doing that and plus I'm not going to pay the fine. Probably the one in 10 that did pay the fine are more of the people that actually believe the trollop that the, the government was serving out. But I personally, I think this is uh, pretty significant. And like you were saying earlier, only 35% of people voted for the major party in power right now. Um, so just one in 10 fines for breaching Victorian health orders during the COVID-19 pandemic have been paid in full, stripping 10, I love this line, stripping tens of millions of dollars from the state's coffers. It's just tens of million dollars that wasn't theirs in the first place. In a state budget estimates hearing on Friday, Attorney General um, Jacqueline Symes said 50,150 fines totaling more than $100 million were handed out for breaching health orders during the pandemic. More than five and a half thousand have been paid in full, almost three and a half thousand in part, with the aid of ongoing payment plans, and fourteen thousand three hundred nineteen are unpaid past their due date, leading to enforcement warrants being issued. There was also eleven thousand eight hundred were cancelled by enforcement agencies. So these, under my understanding, are not legitimate fines. Well, most of them anyway, uh, which probably is the reason why people aren't paying them. But there is that lack of trust in government too, like we're saying, isn't there? You just look at those numbers, it's a mess. Yeah. It's a confusing, divisive mess created by Dan Andrews and his tribe in Victoria and elsewhere. Um, and people are saying, stick it up your nose. Yeah. This is going to worry them I'm, too, doesn't it? Sorry. Look, I, I, I'm, I, I think it's some form of regulation um, is good for society. Uh, but this, this um, uh, microscopic interference in people's lives, um, people have had enough of, and um, and they're not going to cooperate. Yeah, this is the stick, isn't it? This is the boot on the head, which is no no longer sort of working the way that they, it's always has worked. You know, personally, I got an email um, at the start of the week from and an, and an SMS from the, the Queensland government about my um, quarantine bill, which I don't intend to pay either. It's just a tooth, it's toothless. They've got no avenue to make me pay it. 
same as these fines. Yeah, I, look, I think you know you you always need to get good advice on these issues. I, you know, everybody's situation is different. Um, I'm 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 never one to say um, uh, buck the system for the sake of bucking the system, but I am one that says all all of this is unlawful. Um, I don't I don't believe for a second. Um, they had any rights to issue any fines. In fact, I actually don't believe for a second they had a right to lock Victorians up in their homes and impose the restrictions that they imposed on them. Um, and uh, maybe, you know, we'll try and get Spiros on with you one night where he can talk about how he had Brett Sutton on the stand and, and, um, and talking about uh, and said to the judge, said to the judge, these people have no right to legislate over me because they never actually got the uh, legislation um, um, signed off by by the crown, by the real crown. Yeah, they, they they say in the legislation that the crown is a corporation. That that's not the constitution that we live under in this country. So all of this, all of this is a nonsense. And you know what that judge ruled. That judge ruled in that case that in his lowly court, he couldn't make a judgment and he recommended it get sent up to a higher court. Um, so, has it you been know, sent to a higher court? And it has and it will be. And, 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 and I can assure you, I know the people that are um, um, fighting this case, I can assure you they'll fight to the death over it because they feel so strongly um, that the government um, acted illegally. Um, now, all of this flows from that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If yep. if if the laws were unlawful in the first place, and then you fine people for them, um, you got one hell of a mess. And this all yells mess. You know, fourteen thousand unpaid fines. Um, um, how many got cancelled? Eleven thousand eight hundred were cancelled. Yeah. Yeah. It's an ungodly mess. And and this is because they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. Yep, and people know it. People, well, people are waking up to it, um, and a lot of people already know it. And um, you know, they've got to stop doing it if they want the system to be restored and for people to have respect for the system. Yeah, I think one of the things here too is I'd say a hell of a lot of these have been challenged. So you can imagine, let's say, even 10,000 of these going through the courts. It's going to clog up the system pretty pretty quickly, isn't it? The taxpayer pays for all of that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to be heard in a hurry. This will be dragging on for a long time yet. Um, going back to that too, just talking about Brett Sutton, you see he's resigned in the last yeah. week as well. Yeah. So there's a few of those, a few of those uh, health guys. He's going on to head up uh, a division of CSIRO, so you haven't heard the last of Brett Sutton. No, certainly not. So staying in the government, which is um so-called government. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Quite interesting. I thought he would have been going to Big Pharma by now. Get a yeah. big paycheck. Well, that's what I expected to see, yeah. but no. <laughs> All right. So um we won't go into that story there, but we'll move on to our last story now, which is international story. This is in the US. A bit of a funny one, but also as most things on this podcast are pretty serious at the same time. So this is uh, Paul Joseph Watson with one of his pretty hilarious uh, YouTube videos he does. 
and this is about Amazon shutting down a guy's house pretty much all the smart devices Amazon has confirmed that that stupid story is indeed true. A man had his smart home shut down completely by Amazon for nearly a week after a delivery truck driver falsely accused him of racism. Here's what happened. Brandon Jackson had much of his Baltimore, Maryland smart home connected to Amazon Echo. But when an Amazon delivery driver accused him of making a racist remark, Via his doorbell, Jackson's Amazon account was shut down and he couldn't even turn his own lights on for a week. Jackson explained that the misunderstanding left me with a house full of unresponsive devices, a silent Alexa and a lot of questions. When he contacted Amazon, Jackson was scolded by one of their employees for uttering the racial slur. But he wasn't even in at the time when the package was delivered and his Eufy doorbell had given the driver its automated response, which was... Excuse me, can I help you? The driver, who was wearing headphones, somehow interpreted this to be a racist insult. I mean, why not? What isn't racist these days? And then snitched on him to Amazon. Only after Amazon conducted an internal investigation did Jackson get access to his devices back six days later. Now Amazon itself has confirmed the story to be accurate. Simone Griffin, an Amazon spokesperson, told the DCNF, we work hard to provide customers with a great experience while also ensuring drivers who deliver Amazon packages feel safe. In this case, we learned through our investigation that the customer did not act inappropriately and we're working directly with the customer to resolve their concerns while also looking at ways to prevent a similar situation from happening again. So in other words, while this specific incident may have been rectified, they'll still be monitoring your private activity in your own home to determine whether or not you're allowed to continue accessing their services. To be honest though, I don't have much sympathy for the guy. You choose to fill your home with literal surveillance bugs that spy on you and listen to your conversations. All because you want to look trendy and can't be bothered to flick on a light switch. So don't come crying to me when something goes wrong. If someone put a meta smart camera in their living room and then complained about Facebook invading their privacy, I'd say the same thing. You're stupid and you deserve it. Uh, there's, not, there's not much more to add to that, is there? No, not really. Always, always love watching his videos. Just get straight to the point in, in, a, in a hilarious way too. But I mean, pretty, pretty crazy. You could see the sort of stuff coming from a mile away, couldn't you? People putting in smart lights, smart locks, smart everything. And you're like, they're smart until they're not anymore, until they don't work. You mm. know, personally, I prefer a you know, old-fashioned light switch and a key. I don't even like the bloody things on new, these new cars, you know, where you walk up and the, the car notices you're there and unlocks. It's great when it works, but then you've got situations like this where you've got these multinational corporations who are literally in control of your, your home now. Well, you know, um, we'll be talking a lot more about this in the technology month, um, but... You know, some of these things are, are, are good fun to have around for a little while. But at the same token, I think that um, you, you want your privacy. And um, I've, we've all heard countless, countless stories of how, um, you know, the various devices have gone off and responded to conversations in other parts of the houses. And, um, you know, we all get our adverts after we've been talking about an issue Um the, the very next um, hour, 
Um, you know, if we're talking about a product or something, suddenly those adverts start showing up. And and these are unsophisticated. These are just people with a smartphone, which is really a dumb phone at the end of the day. I mean, humanity um, has uh, all too willingly handed over their sovereignty to these devices and these corporations. And, um, you know, um, I, I think we need to really think carefully about what we do. Um, we turn off all of our um, technology at night, everything, um, and um, and only use it sparingly for business and work-related things because we just don't trust it. Yeah, you really can't. You really can't. I mean, they say these things wake when you say the right word, but how, do, how does it know you're saying the right word? It's got well, to be listening the whole time, doesn't it? We're at the beginning of the curve because AI is um, is a is going to be a new era in uh, in advanced technology, and um, and you haven't seen anything yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, not I'm not sure if you've been following this whole UFO disclosure thing as well. Apparently, there's a lot more technology we don't know about ready to come out of the woodwork. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Area 51. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of stuff in the last week, last two weeks that's come out about that, which has been pretty interesting for, I haven't, haven't in, you know, included it on here because it's pretty easy to find, not really relevant to what we talk about anyway. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> well, we look forward to, um, look forward to the, the technology month anyway. That'll, that'll be uh, very fascinating. Yeah, well, look, and and once again, we, we're not about judging anything. We're about talking about it, informing people so that they can be empowered to make their own decisions. And, uh, you know, there's so much. If you just think about what we've talked about tonight um, and the, the depth of knowledge you have to have across so many areas now, and, and that's the thing that people are being confronted with because so much is affecting people in ways that it never used to. And so we actually really do need to be fully informed on so many dimensions of life. Um, and that's why we run these themes. So at least people get an insight. And if they care to dig deeper or investigate some of the people that have spoken or whatever further, then it can help people um, to take control of their own circumstances. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Such such a great um, thing you've you've done you know, you and Ruby starting this up, it's just, it's fantastic. It, just just being part of these webinars. Um, the last one we did about financial, um, you know, about financial, navigating the, the you know, coming financial crisis. Um, the world that we're in right now. Yeah, yeah, you know, just, you said I, that earlier. Yeah. I, learned, I learned so much from that. Um, I really recommend getting on to some of these webinars, whoever's listening. Um, hopefully you already do and you're, you're listening to this because you listen to the webinars. Um, but if you don't, go to go to the website and sign up for them because uh, fantastic stuff. So, And as we said at the start, we've got all the pre-recordings there as well. You can go back in time and, and see what we've done. But we'll leave it there tonight, Pete. Um, I'd like to finish off with that last little video a little bit of a laugh and um yeah. you know we all need it these days well we all need to laugh we you know there, there's i've just bought a book on amazon audible called factual which which apparently I haven't read it yet which is about the world not being as bad as we all think it is so i'm looking forward to reading that and um and i'll let i'll let you know <laughs> or listening to it rather I think it's Steven Pinker who um, has done a lot of research into that too. He says, we live in the 
the most peaceful time in the world's history. Yeah, yeah. You know? So there is, there is, you know, light on the other side of the, on the, of the, of the other side of the tunnel. So it's not all doom and gloom, but it is really important to keep up with these things that we talk about because it can quickly turn, can't it? Sure, can, and and it always has turned very quickly. So, um, yeah. Look, thanks so much for the work you're doing. It's it's phenomenal, and um, you know, you're doing a great job. We appreciate you, man. Yes, pleasure, Pete. Pleasure. All right, cheers, mate. We'll um we'll get you on in a couple of weeks' time again. Okay, mate. Take care. Thanks, mate.